0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcast.org Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to part two of Haggadah Insights, where hopefully we'll be able to learn together and explore some additional insights from various Mefarshim that will hopefully be able to inspire you and to allow you to stay over at your Pesach Seder this coming year. Amir Shem. Uh, we left off with Yachomer Erosh Chodesh. The last thing that we had talked about was the four sons, the Arba Abanim. And now we're going to begin with the paragraph of Yachomer Erosh Chodesh. If you take a look at the paragraph of Yochum Erosh Chodesh, it seems to be a little bit strange. The author of the Haggadah writes, Yochum Erosh Chodesh, I might have thought to observe, to, uh, to celebrate the holiday of Pesach on the 1st of Nisan. Tamid Lomer by Therefore, it says the author of the Haggadah, Baal Haggadah, there 's a Sa Kosuv in which the Torah tells us, no, you have to celebrate the holiday of Pesach on the fifteenth of Nisan when in fact, we had departed when we were liberated from Mitzrayim. its shrine it 's a little bit strange that the author of Lagada makes such a statement, Since when do we consider observing a holiday, not on the day in which there was a particular miracle?" If you look at Shavuot, we wouldn't uh, celebrate the holiday of Shavuot on any other day than Vav Nisan. That's the day when we receive the Torah. Rosh Hashanah, of course, is observed on the 1st of Tishrei. Yom Kippur is observed on the 10th of Tishrei, and so on and so forth. Why in the world would the author of the Haggadah ever have suggested, thought in his mind, even for a moment, that there'd be a compelling reason as to why we should observe the holiday of Pesach on Rosh Chodesh? I once heard a beautiful insight of Rav Moshe Miller Shlita, in which Rav Moshe Miller highlights what seems to be a common denominator between the holiday of Pesach and the, uh, the holiday, so to speak, of Rosh Chodesh. If you think about it, when you celebrate Pesach, the thing that's focused on the most is going Meshubah Lecherus, when you go from slavery to freedom. And when you think about chairus generally, we often think of chairus as a specific type of context. We think of it in the context of literally no longer being shackled, no longer answering to another master, being able to be free to do what you want. But in fact, if you really start to uncover and start to peel away the layers, you will discover that cheiros is more than just physical enslavery. Cheiros means being able to break out of the natural routines that you have set for yourself. We are all the product of of decisions we've made were the product of routines that we have set for ourselves. And unfortunately, many times, we continue to operate within those routines, we continue to operate within those decisions, even if those decisions seem to be no longer relevant. Unfortunately, as human beings, we are the product of a routine in which, without taking pause, without reflecting, without having some opportunities to introspect, we constantly conduct ourselves in a situation based on decisions we have made, even if those decisions seem to no longer be relevant. And so explains Rabbi Miller that this is a time, Pesach, in which we not only try to liberate ourselves from the physical slavery, but we also try to liberate the slavery that we've imposed on ourselves. We take time at our Pesach Seder to reflect. We take time to take stock to do a Cheshbon HaNefesh. We take time to introspect and to evaluate. Is this who I want to be? Is this who I want to continue to be? Perhaps some of those decisions we in fact want to conduct ourselves within. But there may be many decisions in fact that we no longer want to conduct ourselves in that type of way. And so therefore, this is an opportunity to go me shibud, to go me abdus to be able to liberate, to depart from some of those decisions, to depart from the, some of those routines, to no longer bound by by some of the things that we have decided to do for ourselves that may have been, in fact, uh, beneficial to us in the past, but now are no longer relevant. This is the time. This is the time to be able to depart from some of those things. We all know that many of the Mepharshim comment that the whole purpose of Rosh Chodesh is a monthly opportunity to reflect on the previous month, to pat ourselves on the back, to uh, the accomplishments that we may have had and the things that we're happy about, but to also to take stock in some of the things that we may have done in the past that we, like to, we would have liked to have done differently. And so explains Rabbi Miller that if you think about it, the holiday, the Yom of Pesach and the theme of Rosh Chodesh have quite a bit in common. Pesach is all about breaking from those routines, doing the Cheshbon HaNefesh, reflecting and evaluating and assessing that which we've done in the past and whether or not we want to continue on that or trail a new blaze, trail a new journey that we want to set out for ourselves. And in fact, so is Rosh Chodesh, a monthly opportunity, a monthly privilege in which we get to rejuvenate ourselves, to renew ourselves, to reflect and to cause for pause, to be able to introspect and to be able to determine, do we want to continue? And so therefore, explains Rabbi Ray Miller. I might have thought that this is one unique opportunity, while it's true that normally we would only celebrate the Yom Im Tovim on those particular days in which we commemorate the Niss, the miracle that took place. Here, there's a compelling reason why we should observe the day on Rosh Chodesh. After all, Rosh Chodesh is about liberating ourselves from those routines, from those decisions, breaking out of the molds and being products of routines and decisions we've made in the past. Pesach, me'avdus t'cheiros, not just the physical slavery, but a spiritual slavery where we've imposed on ourselves certain things that may have been relevant and beneficial in the past, but may no longer be relevant in the present and perhaps in the future. And so therefore, since both of these things are celebrated with the same theme, with a common denominator, says the Baal HaGadah, I might have thought that we should celebrate and observe both of these things on the same day. Ultimately, says the that we don't do so. Ultimately, Talmud Lomar Bayomu, there is Exeris Hakasuv that overrides that logic, that overrides that Svara. But otherwise, we would have celebrated both of these things on the same day. It's a powerful message as we try to share timely ideas and timely values with our families certainly in a time in which you've had a lot of time to reflect and assess and evaluate who we are and who we want to be, that we use this platform of the Seder to break out of those molds, to break out of those routines, to simply reflect on the decisions that we have made and determine, are those the decisions we continue to want to operate within? And perhaps we can trail a new blaze, we can develop a new path, a new journey, not just for us, but for our spouses and for our families, developing a new trajectory, a new progression in our avodas Hashem. The next part of the Haggadah is the very next paragraph, and that is the part of the Haggadah in which we do mitzvila ovde avodah zara We all know there's a machlokus between Rav and Shmuel when we say maschil b'genusim and b'shevach. When we begin with the negative and we conclude with the praise of Hashem, do we begin with avodim hayinu? Do we begin with the physical slavery commemorating or, or or mourning over the experience of our ancestors in Egypt? Or do we do, even earlier, from Mitchilov of Hazara, the spiritual uh, negative elements of our history, of our ancestry, beginning with Terach? And although we hold that we begin with Avadim the Farab mitzrayim you also subscribe to having to mention our ancestry as well. And when you look at the statement, Mitchilov De'Avod Hazara, you have we, Hoseinu, uh, we used to have uh, ancestors who, are, unfortunately, were idol worshippers. Now we were close and we are able to serve Hashem and he quotes Yoshua, and he quotes Terach, etc. Although that is the simple shot of what the Baal Haggadah seems to be conveying to us, I saw a beautiful insight of Rav Biedermann, Shlita, in which I'd like to share with you the language of Rav Biederman in his commentary of the Haggadah that fits beautifully with that which we have just mentioned, uh, based on Yacham Merosh Chodesh. Rav Biederman explains as follows, pi adam la'asos yom tamil even though it's true that each and, day of, each and every day of our lives, it is incumbent upon us. It behooves us. It's our responsibility to do a chesh to be fash We have to constantly be evaluating our actions, being determined if those actions are serving as a bridge, as a conduit to serve HaKadosh Baruch Nevertheless, we can't become too obsessive over it, to focus too much on the past, to reflect too much and get so deep into that those khatam that we have done, because that's not going to be good. Laba, we also have to think to the future. How can we correct our ways and improve ourselves? how can we bring Nachas to Aqadish Baruch? Because if all we think about is those iniquities, those transgressions, those averos, those khatam that we have done in the past, Shinik it's ultimately going to lead to sadness. And it's also going to lead to despair. So based on all this, says that's what the Baal Haggadah means when he says of the He says the following. Listen so carefully. It's so unbelievable. The This is what it's meant to say when it says the word If we become obsessive, if we become consumed, with all the things that we've done, the things in the past that we have done, we will then be, so to speak, analogous to an avodah zara. Because a person who becomes so consumed with, a person who is so focused on the past, who can't get past those mistakes that they have made, who can't get past those averos? who can't get past those transgressions, becomes completely consumed, that person can ultimately be led to being analogous to an de Avodah Zara. A person like that, who becomes so consumed, feels despair, feels sadness, feels distance from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that distance can ultimately lead to a lack of service of Hashem, and ultimately lead to being an OVD Avodah Zarah. Says the Rev. Biederman, Biedermann, if you focus too much on the Tchilah, if you focus too much on that which you have done in the past, it's important. We've got to reflect. We know that, Yachom Chodesh, as we said in the last Vart, but mitchila, if you focus too much on that which you used to do in the beginning, then ov de'avodah you I will say we're going to ultimately be like our ancestors. Ov zarah, we're going to be nichshal. It's going to serve as a stumbling block. It's going to serve as an impediment to develop and intensify a strong relationship with Hashem. It's true that we have to do a chesed on afesh, but we can't get caught up too much. We're, we're human beings. Human beings, as Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who created us kiviyachal knows, we are human beings, and we're going to make mistakes. And we have to reflect and we have to try, as the Biederman says, to be made to We have to be able to improve and rectify and address those areas. But to be completely consumed where it leads us, to atzvus, where it leads us to depression, to sadness, to yeyushchats v'shalom, where it leads us to despair, that ultimately is going, not going to have a positive result, it's not going to have a positive consequence. And so while we certainly have to constantly break out and reflect and become free individuals from those routines, we have to do cheshbon, hanefesh on a regular basis. We also have to be mindful to trail a new place, to trail a new path, to not ultimately just be consumed about what we've done in the past, but to develop new, stronger habits in the future so that we are not analogous to the ovdeh avodah I once parenthetically heard of a beautiful idea of the Kotz The Kotz famously says on the Gemarim Bava Metziah, the Gemarim Bava Metziah tells us that a person who's Miyaish, a person who gives up hope, so he loses uh, his ownership, his possession over an item, assuming it doesn't have any type of identifying mark, any type of simmon. Classically, we understand that, based on the simple reading of the Gemara and the Mefarshim, that the reason why a person is able to take ownership of another person's item when he's miyayesh, when he gives up hope, is because he's mathkirit, he makes it ownerless, the Bezdin makes it ownerless, he has no hope of repossessing that item, and so therefore, now that it's ownerless, it gives other people the right to take possession, to take ownership. The Katzke Rebbe says, there's another way to understand. Says the Katzke Rebbe, yagen aleinu. the Katzke says that what it means is, Yehush is an Aveira. In Judaism, in Yiddishkai, we don't believe in giving up hope. We don't believe in hopelessness or despair. We always have an opportunity to look to Avinash to the shalom. When a person's going to be Miyayish, when a person's going to give up hope, that's an Aveira. And you know what your punishment is? Your punishment is, is that we're going to take away your item and allow another person to repossess and another person to take ownership of it. Yeyush, despair, as both the Kotzker and Rabiterbin are highlighting, is not a Jewish concept. It's not a Yiddishkeit. It's not a Yiddish concept. It's not something that we believe in. We always have hope. We always have an opportunity to look to the heavens, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to provide us with that Nechama, to provide us with an answer. And so therefore, mitchila, we can't be too consumed in that which we have done in the past, but we need to look to the future, develop new routines, think about and consider new decisions, and ultimately develop a new trajectory. We'll now move on to Vishish Amda. Famously, beautiful Vishish Amda. Vish Amda Lavoseinu Volanu. Unfortunately, we see it every single generation. If you study Jewish history, you know that every generation we've had anti Semites, we've had an empire, we've had someone who's tried and attempted to rise up against us, attempted to annihilate us, to commit genocide against us. There wasn't just one generation, one enemy that tried. To, to destroy the Jewish people. Each and every generation, we've been confronted with somebody who's tried to kill us. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, has saved us. The Svasemes, in his incredible wisdom, provides an alternative understanding of how we should understand what is the catalyst, what's the impetus for why we've had to face, why we'd have to, we've had to confront anti-Semites People who have hated us and people who have attempted to destroy us says the svasemes Shalom echad bilvad. You want to know the only thing that causes the destruction chas of klal yisrael when we are Shalom echad when we are not be'achtos Shalom echad bilvad kama when we are not be'achtos that and that alone amar aleinu lechalus that and that alone can be caused that can be the reason for why ultimately another nation feels the strength, the courage, the bravery to rise up against us. Shalom Echad Bilvad. The only thing that can ultimately cause the demise of the Jewish people is when we're not biachtos. If we're not biachtos, that alone, it doesn't have to be anything else. Lack of tefilos and learning, those are all important. But echar bilvad A person A, a, a nation Klal Yisho Is not Beachtos A klal Show Is not going to be In unity Is not going to celebrate The diversity of our people And value that diversity And still Identify and see That far more What uh, unites Far more than What divides us Unites us Ultimately then That's going to cause Our demise What a powerful lesson In these times Where we've we've Been reminded It doesn't matter What sh- it doesn't matter what color, doesn't matter what Ashkafi you have. The disease that we are confronted with is attacking everybody. And Chas in the past, when the Nazis, Yamach Sheman didn't care where you were on the spectrum of Yiddishkeit, they came after you. The only thing that can cause the demise of the Jewish people, the only thing is we are not beachedus. Only then, only then can that result, ultimately, Chas and the destruction of. The Jewish people. We're now going to skip to uh, after the Makos in which Rabbi Yudah says and then we go through a number of different Tanoim, number of different rabbis from the Mishnah who try to calculate based on different Psukim uh, in the Torah how many Makos in fact were the Mitzurim stricken with. And if you take a look at the first of these Tanoim, Rabbi Yosei Aglili, at the, towards the end of his calculation, he quotes Psukim that we say every single day. Klal Yisrael, Yisrael saw the great hand of Hashem that He rose up against Mitzrayim. V'yiru Hashem, and they were all in awe, in fear, in reverence of Hakadosh Baruch And they believed they had a moon in Hashem and in Moshe, his servant. And the obvious question that is begged to be asked is, what do you mean, They have now been through so many different miracles, so many different things, in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has demonstrated his incredible power, and not just his incredible power, but his Hashkacha Hashem, his Hashkacha protis, his intervention in the world. Now, only after they're in the Yamsuf? Now and only now, Vayaminu BaHashem UvaMoshe Avdo, what what happened all of a sudden? What all of a sudden clicked? Why didn't they have this Emunah and Hashem already earlier? What took so long? What does it mean? How are we to understand Vayaminu BaHashem UvaMoshe Avdo? I saw a beautiful insight of, of Rav Bender, who quotes the Ibn Ezra, in which he explains that until the Mitzrayim were destroyed, the Jewish people had a slave mentality. They couldn't get over that, that, that impediment, that op- obstacle. They constantly were looking over their shoulder, always worried would they ultimately be re-enslaved again. They saw that they were being chased through the Midbar, and un- ultimately until they could turn uh, back and look at the Yamsuf and see all of the Mitzrayim having drowned, only then, via b'Hashem, only then could they begin to develop a free Jewish national identity of their own. Only then could they begin to break out of that slave mentality. And that's only then, v'yayamino b'Hashem of But I wanted to share with you an incredible, so inspiring insight of the Slonim Rebbe, the Nasiva Shalom, who not only will provide us insight, into Vayamino Bashem of Moshe Avdal, but will also provide insight into a paragraph of Tim that we say very often that perhaps we may not have fully understood in the past. Says the Nasiva Shalom, Klai Yisrael already believed in HaKadosh Baruch. Hu. Klai Yisrael were confident. There was no doubt, no suffix in their mind that HaKadosh Baruch Hu existed, that they were the chosen people at this point. There wasn't shemetz, there wasn't a doubt in their mind that HaKadosh Baruch had performed all these miracles. So how do we understand what Vayaminu BaHashem is talking about? What does it mean Vayaminu BaHashem? Explains the Nesiva Shalom in his commentary on Pesach, that Vayaminu BaHashem means that for the first time they were now able to look back at the last 210 plus years of Jewish history and everything clicked. That while it's true that they believed in Hashem, In their minds they had to have been wondering throughout this entire process of their ancestors coming down from Canaan when they were revealed to Yosef and Yosef was revealed to them all the way through to Kriyas Yamsuf. There were so many points along the way where you could imagine the natural uh, inquiry of most of our ancestors were, Why us? What is happening here? Why are we going through all this? What's the point? Where's the endgame? What exactly is the objective, the goal that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has in mind? They may have believed in him, but they certainly had many theological questions along the way trying to understand what exactly was going on. Says the Nesiva, Shalom, Vayaminu Bahashem, Klal Yisrael, after Kriyas Yamsov now looked back and said, Aha, now I understand why we had to go through all of this. Now I can pinpoint along the way the purpose of, of each one of the stages our ancestors, and subsequently us, we had to go through in order to finally be liberated. Now I understand, and so many of my questions have been resolved, so many of my sveikos, my doubts, have now been resolved. Says the nasiva Shalom, it wasn't about them recognizing and acknowledging HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but it was giving them the Yishuv Adas, the ability to look back on Jewish history and be able to appreciate. The fact that they now understood why they had to go through what they had to go through. With this, says the Nesiv Hashem, we can now understand the Pasuk and Tehillim that we say every single Shabbos. And on Rosh Chodesh, and on Yom Tov. We say, We praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when He will ultimately return us to Zion, to Yerushalayim with the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. And then David HaMelech throws in some words that are hard to understand, somewhat enigmatic. We will return to Zion like the dreamers. David HaMelech doesn't specify who are the dreamers. What does that mean? We're going to return to Yerushalayim with the rebuilding of the Beit Migdash like the dreamers. What exactly is going on here? Explains the Nesiv Hashem, similar to how he explains Vayaminu Bashem. Who is the dreamer? The dreamer is none other than Yosef Atzadik. Yosef Atzadik, who had an incredibly challenging life who had a very, very, very difficult, difficult life, who you could imagine, having been hated by his brothers, although favored by his father, was sold down the river literally, only to ultimately be sold and transfer hands, finds himself in the house of Potiphar, doing a great job only to be accused falsely by his wife, thrown in jail, languishing there for quite a bit of time only to be pulled up again to interpret the dreams of Paro, having to go through and ensure that all the dreams that he had had were brought to fruition as part of the Navua, and ultimately comes to be second in command of the Empire of Egypt. You can imagine Yosef at Tzadik going through the trials and tribulations of his life. You could imagine that certainly along the way he was asking himself and he was turning to look out above his head to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and saying, why me? What is going on over here? Why am I being put through all this? Why do I have to suffer? Why do I have to confront all of these challenging situations? What did I do to deserve this? And yet finally, when he becomes second in command and his brothers have to come down to get food and he sees that he is the ultimate one responsible for saving not only Egypt but all the surrounding countries which ultimately brought his brothers down, and finally, he reveals himself to his brothers. And his brothers come down with his father. And the Brisbane Abisarim, the covenantal agreement that Avram Avinu HaKadosh Baruch Hu, had in many shows earlier, was finally beginning to happen. And he realizes that everything is starting to fit into place. He had his aha moment. He realized all of those different unfortunate realities that he had to confront, all of them had to happen the way they needed to happen to get to this point. Shamalos B'Shu Hashem. Just as Yosef had the opportunity to look back, had the perspective to appreciate his journey, to understand all the points along the way and why he had to go through all those challenging situations, says David HaMelech, we too, when Mashiach ultimately emirts Hashem, comes speedily in our days and he redeems us from this Galus Edom, he redeems us from the Roman Empire, redeems us and ultimately rebuilds the third base Hamikdash, we, too, will be able to look back on Jewish history. We, too, will be able to look back on all the trials and tribulations of Klai Yisrael with all the questions that we justifiably and rationally have. And we, too, will be able to look back on Jewish history and say, Aha, now I understand why our Kaddish Baruch Hu had to put us all through it. The Yaminu b'Hashem. Klai Yisrael believed in Hashem but they were able to now look back on those 210 plus years and be able to understand why they had to go through it. And we too, when, please God, the base Hamidish will be rebuilt and Mashiach will come, we will be able to look back on Jewish history and be able to appreciate and understand and recognize and acknowledge all the things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to impose upon us to ultimately bring us to this point. There's a famous uh, comment of the Chavetz Chaim in Parshas Vayigash, which the Chavetz Chaim tells us that when Yosef said Ani Yosef we know the brothers of Yosef did not need to respond. They were shocked, but they now understood all the questions they had 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 now been resolved. Says the Chavetz Chaim, when Mashiach comes and Hakadosh Baruch Hu proclaims Ani Hashem so too we will hear Hashem proclaim His grandeur, His splendor, His kingship and we will be able to look back on Jewish history like the brothers and have all of our questions be resolved, have all those inquiries, all those difficult theological posits, and all those challenges that we have had, we will be able to look back on Jewish history and be able to appreciate. At the very end of Magid, we have the bracha of Asher Ga'alnu. And one of the famous questions that's asked at the beginning of the Seder is, how come we don't have a bracha, on the mitzvah of Magid, Sippor Yetzias Mitzrayim Usually we have a ha mitzvah, we have a bracha that we recite before over La prior to doing the mitzvah and yet over here it seems as though we do not have we do not have a bracha. The Chasim Sofer Zatzal explains that we actually do have a bracha on the Haggadah and that's the bracha of Asher Ga'alanu that is the bracha that we make at the very end of Magid. The obvious question is why? Usually, as we've just mentioned, when we talk about hilchos, brachos, and brachos amitzvah mitzvah in general, we generally have rules over al we generally like to make a bracha prior to doing the actual mitzvah. So why are we making the bracha vasher Ga'alanu if it's a brachah, brachos mitzvah as the Chassim sofer seems to suggest, why are we making this brachah at the end of Magid when we've completed the mitzvah, why aren't we making the bracha? at the beginning of Magid, when we are about to begin the mitzvah. And the Chassam Sofer explains that this is analogous to a ger, and the same way that a ger does not make a brach on the mikvah until after he has been tovel, to Efer, he immerses himself in the mikvah for the obvious reason that he's not yet a Jew, we too going May Abdus going through this process of Chayavadam adam Satmo. It's not we're not talk telling a narrative, but rather we are feeling and experiencing and be re-liberating from itsraim once again. Since we are now going May Abdus and Evidim Itzraim to Kabbalah satoru mentioned in Dayenu, we too can't make the bracha. On this mitzvah until we become a Jew again. And so, therefore, we make the bracha Vashur Ga'alano, albeit under normal circumstances, you'd make the bracha prior to doing the mitzvah. Since we are, so to speak, born again Jews, we are now reliving and re experiencing what it means to be a Jew, to accept Omach Hushamayim, to accept the Torah. It would be inappropriate to recite this bracha at the very beginning. And so, therefore, we recite this bracha uh, at this point. And with that, I want to share with you an important story. Uh, that uh, happened to a friend of mine, which I think should provide a tremendous amount of chizuk and should inspire us to realize that as we are creeping up to just less than less than 72 hours to Pesach, we're working hard, and uh, certainly looking back at Jewish history, we sit at the Seder, we ask ourselves the question at times, why us? To be able to appreciate the incredible privilege and zechus has, we have, to be the Am to be the Am Segula, and it's something that hopefully you can share and convey to your families, something that we need to communicate to our children as part of our Messorah, that we are so lucky to be Jews, we are so lucky to have the Torah, we should realize that, sure, a lot of the Ga'alas haval and Mitzrayim, how lucky we are, how gishmak it is to be a Jew, and to be able to transmit that most valuable, priceless message as part of our Messorah to our children. About 20 years ago, I had a friend who worked for one of the very prestigious accounting firms in New York City. Uh, He and I were walking home from Shuana HaShabbos, Shabbos HaGadol, a couple of days before Pesach. And he says to me, Moshe, I have to share with you an incredible story. And he tells me that just a couple of days earlier, his wife was nagging him. We got to clean the house. We got to kasha the kitchen. And, uh, you know, they were kind of all feeling the stress and the pressure, the burden, so to speak, of making Pesach. And uh, he walked into work. The next morning, and he, uh, he has a cubicle, and on the other side of the cubicle, he has a good friend of his named Anthony, a good, nice, uh, very down-to-earth Italian guy. And he comes into work the next day, and they're schmoozing for a few moments, and finally Anthony taps my friend on the shoulder, and he says, I got to ask you a question, David. I, I got to know something, and it's been bothering me for a while, and I hope it's okay that I'm asking you. And David said, sure. Tell me what- what's on your mind. And so Anthony proceeds to ask him the following question, and he says... You know, Italians and Jews, we've got a lot in common. We love food, we love family, we're passionate about our religion, we're we're, we're down to earth. And yet, despite the fact that there's so much that the Jew and the Italian has in common, you guys are so resistant to interact with us other than in the workplace. Why aren't you willing to interact with us in social contexts? Why don't you send your kids to the same schools as we do? Why not the same camps, eat in the same restaurants, hang out in the same social environments? why is it that you guys have to be so separate we have so much in common we could grow so much from one another why is it that there's such a reluctance there's a resistance to interact with us my friend david who's only a few years out of the yeshiva says this was his moment every mashkiach every rebbe said you're going to be in the workplace he's wearing a yarmulke it's an opportunity to be What's he going to do? Of course, at this moment, everybody's turned their heads in the entire floor, waiting to hear how is David going to respond to his friend, his Italian friend, Anthony. And he said to himself, what's the greatest way? What, how are we trained? as has been a Torah who have learned before when we're asked a question, how should we respond? And he said, like every good Jewish boy, when you are asked a question, how do you respond with a question? And so he immediately responded in those few seconds of time that he had to think about. It. He said, Anthony, why does it bother you so much? What does it bother you? What's gnawing at you? You guys got plenty of friends. You got your whole community. You got your church. You got everything going for you. Big families. Why does it bother you that the Jewish people don't want to interact with you? And the floor was dead silent. No one was talking. Everybody was going to watch and see how is Anthony going to respond to his friend David just a few short days before the holiday of Pesach. And without any hesitancy, without any pause, without any shame... Anthony looks at his friend David in front of the entire floor and says, I guess because I'm a little jealous. My friend David went home that night, began cleaning his house, began with a certain level of exuberance and enthusiasm, began to prepare himself physically, emotionally, and spiritually, he and his family, for the holiday of Pesach. And he explained to me that here I was, I was burdened with the cleaning and the cooking and the kashering, and particularly this year with our kids being home for so many days and all the challenges and anxiety and the nervousness about what's going to be with the coronavirus. And I needed a non-Jew to remind me how lucky I am to be a Jew, how lucky I am to have a HaKadosh Baruch or how lucky I am to have a family who we could sit around and sit at the Pesach Seder and pass along this incredible this most deep and rich Missora to the next generation, in which we can share with our children what it is to have be the privileged Am Hanifchar, to be the Am Segula, to explain to our children that with all the trials and tribulations and all the challenges we've had to confront in our national history, we wouldn't trade it for the world. This is a basic Nakuda. This is a basic fundamental principle that it's incumbent upon us, that it behooves us to transmit to our kids, Just as much as we need to transmit the Yetzias Mitzrayim where our national identity began, we need to bring it to life. We need to share with our children personal stories. Rabbi Fran mentioned in the Mishpacha magazine, we need to share with our children personal stories of Yad Hashem, Hashkochas Hashem, Sing Hashem in our lives. Because Yetzias Mitzrayim didn't end when the Jewish people left Mitzrayim or got the Torah. Yetzias Mitzrayim continues as we continue to liberate ourselves, as we continue to depart from our routines, from those old decisions, as we share with our children the needs and the flows that we see in our own lives, as we share with our children the incredible zechuyos, the incredible merits of what it means to be a Jew. And with that, I wish you all a Chakosher v'sameach. It should be a Pesach of Geula. It should be a Pesach of redemption. We should be zokhe in just a few short seas- days to see each other in Yerushalayim with the Krovos Korban Pesach. Whereas the Gemara describes so many of the Korban P- Pesach are, are shechted with so much blood in the Beis Hamikdash. We should be able to sit in Yerushalayim. We should enjoy and be nenemiz and we should ultimately merit Hashem see Mashiach's arrival speedily in our days. A good yontif.